Hi, this is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast. It's episode six. We took a long hiatus since episode five, but we're back with episode six, and look where we are. It's coronavirus sweeping the world. Uh, It's a crazy time, obviously. It's really difficult, challenging for everybody. Basically, we see the working world divided into two groups, essential workers who have to go to work and... uh, and risk their health every day, heroes, and non-essential workers, everybody who's working from home right now. It's a blessing that we have the technology to have it be possible to work from home, but there's a lot of stress and anxiety associated with that as well, especially for folks who have not worked from home before, don't like working from home, might have kids running around. Uh, Maybe those problems pale in comparison to the problems of people who go out and risk contracting virus, deadly virus, every day. So we're not comparing woes at all, of course. But, um, you know, our goal is to be with you regardless of where you are. And none of this stuff is easy. We see unbelievable, unbelievable uh, news every single day right now. But one of the most shocking things I've seen in terms of the work workplace uh, dynamic since this crisis started. It was just yesterday when I read that Kroger's union, employee union at Kroger, the uh, grocery store chain, uh, won a hard fought battle evidently to get the company to test all employees at their own expense for COVID-19. So the union had to fight to get the company to test them for a very infectious and very dangerous illness. The company did not want to pay for that. Think about that, you guys. They're in a grocery store. They say that the most dangerous place to work is at the checkout stand at the front because of all the customers coming by. And in many places, of course, it's still not mandatory to wear a mask. So customers are literally in your face, breathing, potentially bad germs at you and you're there and the company doesn't want on its own to test you, to know whether you're sick coming in and potentially getting other people sick. You guys, like, I know sometimes my stories and point of view come across like I'm just anti-company. It's not the case. I'm an employer myself. I'm a CEO myself, worked for startups and Fortune 500 companies running HR for decades and have testified in court on behalf of the companies that I work for because I believe we were in the right. But if we ever needed proof that the system is broken, we have it now, right? We have it now just reading the news every single day. The system that includes employment in the United States and more broadly, wherever the United States way has has been exported and transplanted, uh, but it's it's busted, and it includes government, which is broken. It includes employment, the the economy, uh, the economic system, which, which is broken. Academia, the way we administer education, it, it broken. Probably a lot more. But the big institutions um, formed out of some Enlightenment ideals of you know way that people should be led and the way that they. That, that, that they should be taught and the way they should work. It's so broken, so, so, so broken. Now, I've been saying this <laughs> through 
uh, the human workplace movement that I lead. Um, but here we have in living color in front of our face every day, the idea that you're going to come to work in a grocery store and your employer would say, you know, if you want to get tested, go get tested on your own dime, but it's not in our best interest. What are you talking about? The idea that customers would, would go for that. And this is, this is part of the scam. You guys, this is part of the damage is that what happens inside the organization in terms of the relationship between the employer and the employees is supposed to be kind of keep that quiet. That's not part of the public brand. Sometimes it's directly at odds and 180 degrees removed from the public brand, right? It's all one thing. I remember years ago, somebody sent me a video, marketing video from a bank. And it was, hey, we're just folks at this bank, like sit on the Cracker Barrel and we'll, we'll you know, set a spell and talk about stuff. Like, oh, we're just folks and it's so friendly and we're so chill. You should come and bring your money to the, our bank because we're just friendly folks and we're going to take care of you, right? And, and then with the video, they also sent me a job ad and it was the worst. It was the worst. It was terse and bureaucratic and mean and talking down to the candidates, which unfortunately happens so often. That dichotomy, there's probably nobody in the bank that would notice that. Or, or think that it was worth noticing. And you know why? Because there's so much cynicism around both sides. Cynicism around the consumer marketing or the front-facing, customer-facing marketing. Like, of course you're supposed to say these things. We just say them. We don't believe them in any fundamental or operationalized way. And then on the recruiting side, hey, well, you know, you have to make, make sure you're hiring the best and you have to put people through their paces and, you know, you can't coddle the candidates. This is the problem. None of this stuff is, is the way we behave or operate or think or believe in normal life. But we've convinced ourselves or we've been indoctrinated into the idea that there are different rules in the business world, in the working world. It's the reason for our movement. It's the reason I write and speak and, and rant is because of that gap that is inexcusable, inappropriate, damaging. It's killing us. It's killing us right now. We see that it's killing us out there even before coronavirus, but particularly now there's a horrible, horrible thing that's happened. But maybe if some good comes out of it, we, we tear down and rebuild some of these broken institutions. In, employment to be specific. Education is, is going through shakes and shocks. It already was. Higher ed was in bad shape as an industry, and it is an industry, before this, with rising tuition and falling enrollment and, you know, um, difficulty making the case that this $150,000 education, for example, is going to really help your kid. And the, and the link between, between college and the employment world was really fraying and parents and, and new grads being very frustrated. I spent all this money, I can't get a job. And then college administrators, the higher up saying, well, it's much more than getting a job. Is it really? I mean, I hope it is, but I think you made some promises implicit and explicit that are not being borne out. I've done a lot of speaking at college campus, uh, career services. They used to call it career placement. Now it's career services to help the students get jobs as they graduate. And these guys have a tough way to go, tough way to go. And, and a lot of well-founded complaints because they say we're such an afterthought 
on campus, we're not even allowed to email the students. It's believed to be non-essential communications. And the faculty committees will tell us how many times during a semester we can let students know about our career events. And it's typically twice. And I've heard this from a lot of career services people. Twice during the semester, I can say, hey, come in to the career services office and let us help you with your resume or help you figure out what you wanna do when you graduate. Not every kid wants to work in their major. How do kids pick a major in the first place? It's so offhanded. There's so little guidance there. So little guidance in high school. Our youngest child is about to graduate, God willing, in about a week here from high school. And there's literally been no discussion. Never met with a guidance counselor if they have them there. He didn't hear about it. No discussion about what do you want to do when you get out of here. I, I had none of that. I had a guidance counselor in high school. Uh, when I was in high school, tell me and all of my friends that we were slackers and, you know, would never get into the colleges that we want. It was a very depressing experience. I hope you had a better one. But it is a problem goes all the way down, right? Goes all the way down to childhood. We don't lift kids up, exalt them, tell them they can be whatever they want to be, lay out some of the choices. It's very track-like. And, and people have written about this. I'm no expert in education, but people who are, have written about the fact that education was was really institutionalized in in the 1900s. Uh, I'm sorry, in the 1800s to uh, to prepare kids to go to work in the in the factory with the front office working world of that day, sitting in desks in rows. If you think about it, kind of creepy, really. Um, big rules, uh, big big messages in school. Listen to the teacher. Be quiet. Do what you're told. Don't step out of line. Did, does a lot of damage, did damage to me. I'm still climbing out of that pit. And luckily my husband and I come from the same place uh, philosophically on this. And so we told our kids, no, no, reject, reject. You make your own path, sweetheart. You, you listen to your own voice. A teacher has a tough job to do, uh, but um, a lot of what they're teaching you is not good information for you and should not guide you in your life. It's, it's conformity based and based on tamping down your flame rather than growing it. So I hope some good comes out of this horrendous set of events we've been going through for the last, you know, a couple months, feels like a year. Uh, so, so overall, I hope some good comes out of it, but I hope some good comes out of it for you in terms of looking at your life and what you want out of life and what's important and what you want out of your career. Because if there were ever a forced pause, I mean, this is the one, right? This is the pause that nobody can escape. We have no choice but to really look at our priorities right now. And, and whether you're going out to work or whether you're staying home and working from home or whether you're job hunting, I mean, there is a big message coming down from whoever is in charge, right? Mother nature, laws of physics, God, whoever you follow, that says stop and reconsider, you know, what you want out of your time and energy and your precious talents and gifts and all that you give, what, what do you want back from that? And how are you going to get it? And of course, since my focus is a workplace, we're going to talk about that. So you're probably in one of three categories right now. 
You're probably either job hunting, working inside, thinking about going back to work, maybe in the next couple of weeks or months. It's up to your employer. And when I polled our followers on Twitter and said, how will the decision get made when you guys are supposed to go back into the workplace, let's say an office, and how have they communicated with you about that? The overwhelming response was they haven't. They haven't communicated about that. There's another source of stress, right? And it'll be May. And for those that had been communicated with, they were told when that decision is made, it'll be because the governor says the state is open. How terrifying is that? U.S. governors, right? Red states, blue states, different priorities. This virus is, you know, a scourge. It's it's incredibly dangerous. We have to proceed with caution. We don't have flattened curves yet versus it's no big deal. It's just like the flu. We should all get back to work. I read about a company that called people back to work even under a lockdown order in their state, forgotten which U.S. state, defying the governor's instructions. Is that a law? I don't know that it legally has the force of, maybe it does. I haven't heard of law enforcement going into an office and taking people out because they're supposed to be home, but that's what this company did. They sent, they said, keep coming to work and 60 odd people got sick. So, you know, if we ever needed an illustration that for many management teams, not all certainly, but for many making money, Trump's taking care of employees. I think we have our proof now. I don't think that's a controversial statement now. And if you have been in doubt yourself about where your priorities lie with respect to your professional life, I hope it's clear now. You're going to take care of yourself. I love to work on a team where everybody's in on the fun and everybody's in on the win and everybody's there for one another. And we love the company. I've been there several times. It's awesome, right? And everybody's part of the, the you know winning side and it's it's great. And we, we all just throw our hands together, three musketeers style and all for one and one for all. That's great. But listen, you cannot depend on that persisting. And one of the biggest things that has to come out of this is that people need contracts. They need unions or individual employment contracts. I favor a one size fits all generic contract for every working person in the country. That could be modified, right? It could. There's. It shouldn't be anything secretive, right? When you apply for college, it's a common app, and you can apply for 30 colleges with one app. They should have that for jobs, by the way, common app. But we should have a contract that we're all familiar with the contents of that says essentially you have this job, and you will have it for six months or a year or some other defined period, or as in the case even right now of individual employment contracts that are commonly used for director level and up or whatever the equivalent is in a military or government organization, right? All VPs, all C-level officers of the company have these and it might be an undefined period. Doesn't specify a year or two years. It just says you're here for the duration. And if we decide to let you go, for any reason apart from malfeasance, any reason, not for cause. For cause means you punch somebody, you steal money, right? You do something actively bad and intentional. 
If we let you go for any other reason, not for cause, we owe you money. Might be a year's salary, six months of salary, something. Here in the United States, we don't have that as a rule. Union membership, as we sit here in 2020, is at a low. Over the last 50, maybe more than 50 years, it's very, very low, right? Manufacturing jobs left and unions, union participation eroded. But now employees in, in blue collar jobs, in all these essential jobs need union representation because look what's happening. You could be kicked out of your job because there's a virus and, they, and your company doesn't want to keep you on the payroll for even a few weeks, and they don't have to because the United States is the only industrialized nation that allows employers to say, see ya, get lost at any moment for no reason. It's called employment at will, and we're the only country that does it. Early, before the robber barons, you know, in the Industrial Revolution, 18-whatever, 1870s, the industrialists, they were building manufacturing capacity coming out of, of the Civil War, making the U.S. the industrial powerhouse it became. And they said, why do we have these contracts? It's such a pain in the neck. We'd like to be able to just get rid of people. We don't like their face. We'd like to be able to get rid of people with no muss, no fuss, and hire somebody else. And Congress said, sure. We'll do it. Employment at will. U.S. Many people working in the U.S. and even HR people do not know how unique this is. And it's gross. It's horrible to think that with one mistake, you could be out on the street with no recourse, no severance, nothing. Severance was common when I was a young HR person in the 80s. And it used to be a month for every year of service. So at least if you worked for a company, let's say for four years, you had four months of severance. Okay, I can probably find another job. Now, no, they don't do it. It's, it's become less and less common. And there is no guarantee. They don't have to give you a penny of severance. Meaning that just inevitably, inexorably, you're going to be oriented toward pleasing your boss, that person, which is the wrong energy. You, not only can you not grow your own creative flame, speak with your own voice, tell the truth when you know how tightly your fortunes are tied to keeping that person happy, your boss, but also it's not good for the company. It's not good for the company. When people are afraid, that means they're in fear afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing. And in case you think that this is only something that happens in obviously dysfunctional companies, I am here to tell you, no, it happens everywhere. I've consulted in some of the happiest, smiliest, all for one and one for all. We're all wearing the t-shirts and we're all drinking out of the same mugs and it's all very lovely. And it's still the same problem. When you cannot afford to tick off the wrong people because you will get bounced out on the street, that, that absolutely flows through the culture. The number one thing CEOs ask me is, why don't my employees level with me? Sweetheart, come on. You got employment at will up in there, don't you? Yes, you do. People can be fired. Why in God's name would they tell you the truth? If they 
notice that you don't like to hear bad news. What if it's about your own management style? They're going to tell you, if you want to hear the truth, give them a contract. Have the nerve. Have the... Mm. Have what it takes to give them all contracts and you will get truth. It'll still take a little while because we're trained since childhood to just shut up and button the lip. And, you know, it takes a toll on your health, too. If you've ever left a difficult workplace, you know that keeping quiet about things that are bothering you and things that could actually help the company if they got aired takes a toll on you, physical and mental. But we need contracts coming out of this. We need to get rid of employment at will, above all. We need to separate healthcare from employment, obviously. 20 million unemployment claims in the United States in one month, 20 million people out of work that also lost health care? Come on. In the middle of a pandemic, we need to separate health care from employment, obviously. This is another one that employers pushed Congress to allow them to offer health care to employees as an inducement to be able to hire people in a competitive environment after World War II when the soldiers came home. Hey, we're going to offer a great health plan. And that'll let us hire people. And so they did. And, you know, people who understand numbers and forecasts told them you better not do that because costs are going to get crazy over time. Nah, it'll be fine because our company is going to grow. We're going to have so much money. Now they're cutting health benefits. It should be some kind of national health plan, just like the UK and France and Germany and every civilized nation on earth. We need that. Are we civilized in the United States? I don't know. You tell me. But we need something better than individual health plans through employers, right? Very ironic. Several of the Democratic candidates for president of the United States got up there at debates over the last few months before they dropped out and said people like their health plans. Yeah, sure. As long as they have it, as long as they're employed, the problem is that when employment is, is tied inextricably from health coverage to health coverage, you, you can lose it at a moment's notice. And then do you still like your health plan when you have no health coverage? COBRA, which is the legislation that, that mandated that employers have to make the same coverage, the same plan available to employees when they're laid off. Uh, yeah, sure, you can get it. And you've been paying, you know, let's say $95 a month for your health care. Uh, out of your payroll check, maybe you're paying $150 a month. Okay, now it's $1,200 a month. No, this is the real prices. Now it's $890 a month just for you to have this plan, which isn't even that rich of a plan. COBRA is a joke. So, you know, we need a health plan that you carry around with you wherever you work. When you're not working, it's cheap. It's, it's something everybody can rely on. I, I don't know why people are so afraid of this. Uh, but they are, and that's something we have to get over. That and the idea that employers can just snap their fingers and you're gone. You don't work there anymore. All right, let us shift gears a little bit. I'm going to answer a question. Okay. Uh, here's a question. Liz, my company terminated 85% of its employees rather than furloughing them, and they're selling it as compassionate by suggesting they wanted, they wanted to terminate us to provide severance. Thoughts? Okay. Well, I mean, you know, of course, whatever they do, they're going to sell it as compassionate, right? 
they could have given you cash without terminating you. Obviously, severance is not the only way to pay someone. You could say, we're going to furlough you and here's a bonus to help you through that time. Furlough means you, you're still not working every day, but you um, are still on the company health plan and um, they expect to bring you back. Termination means, you know, maybe we bring you back, but I wouldn't plan on it because you're terminated. Um, you know, my thought is that everybody's panicking. Nobody's at their exact best right now. Of course, somebody higher up said to the HR person, you know, this, this uh, termination is more generous and more compassionate because people get severance. Hey, listen, I'm not defending your employer right now, but I'm glad you got severance at all. Because as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are getting terminated with no severance. But the good thing is, uh, uh, the silver lining anyway, you're terminated. If you haven't already, go apply for unemployment. Most of the U.S. states are being more uh, uh, permissive or more generous with unemployment than they traditionally have been because of this coronavirus. So go ahead and apply for unemployment on top of the severance. Uh, they might make you, you know, wait until the severance is sort of like worked out in terms of your normal payroll, right? So like, like if you got paid for like six weeks, you might not get the unemployment to start until after that six weeks has elapsed. But, you know, you, you are eligible, obviously, for unemployment or, or potentially eligible, eligible for unemployment by virtue of getting laid off. So you want to get that going. And the other thing is, assuming you had a, I'm sure you had a manager or team leader, somebody that uh, was looked after you, um, ask them for a LinkedIn recommendation. That's the least they can do is to give you a LinkedIn recommendation now that you don't work there anymore uh, or a letter of recommendation. LinkedIn is good because it's kind of permanent and you don't have to show it to anybody. It's just there on your LinkedIn profile. But see if you can get a LinkedIn profile, a letter of recommendation, any of that kind of stuff is going to help you in your job search. And um, obviously I have tons more job search advice at humanworkplace.com in the blog and, you know, all over the place. Okay. Here's another question. I'm a manager that has had to lay off half my team. How can I a support my awesome ex employees that I had to lay off and B keep the employees that are still here fulfilled, engaged and supported in this new virtual workplace. Okay. That's a lot. I'm going to do the speed version, support the awesome ex employees. We just touched on that, write them a LinkedIn recommendation, help them with their resumes, right? Offer to make introductions for them and do make introductions for them. You hired them. You you call them awesome. Go to bat for them. I mean, it is not too much to devote four hours to each person that you let go. Sit down with them. Virtual coffee. Who do you know? What are they looking to do? Help them with the resume. You have a different perspective on their resume than they do. And you can kind of amplify and pump up maybe some of their stories you can leave them a LinkedIn recommendation. You can write them a letter of recommendation. You can just devote time and energy to helping them get their next thing. That would be a beautiful thing if you if you could do that for your ex-employees. Um, and, then, and then stay in touch with them. Offer to be a reference, of course, and offer to just be available for them to call and check in. They don't want to feel cast out into the wilderness as well as being without an income. Uh, if your company did not give severance, go to bat for them. Get them at least a couple, three, four weeks of severance. It just makes such a big difference, right? When, when, when I was an HR person a thousand years, unfortunately, you know, I was from time to time 
in conversations where we had to let someone go. And the big thing I learned about a conversation where we had to let someone go is that you would tell them that they don't have a job anymore. And then there would be 10 to 15 minutes where they could not take in anything you were saying. Completely understandably, right? It's shocking news. This is why I'm not a fan of employment at will. One of many reasons, right? It's not good for industry. It's not good for American competitiveness. It's not good for our health. It's not good for families, okay? But they couldn't take anything in. So they would go home. They would figure out how to go home. And then there would be days of still being in a fog, right? That fog is, is their body's way of protecting them from the shock and the trauma of having been laid off. So, so just support, just keeping them feeling like a, a worthy human being, staying in touch with them, checking in with them is everything. It's everything. I, I really want you to do that. The B, the second part of your question is how do I keep the employees that are still here fulfilled, engaged, and supported? Well, I wouldn't worry about fulfilled right now. That's a, that's a, that's a high goal, right? Keep, keep them feeling communicated with and supported is great. Meaning some people are going to have an easy time working from home. Some people are going to have a really hard time. Pets and other adults in the house and children and noise. And it's really hard. Zoom calls are the worst. They take so much out of you. And you know that yourself. It's how you doing. When you check in with them, don't just check in. Are you, are you meeting all your goals? How are your KPIs and all that garbage? How are you doing? Are you okay? How are you feeling? You sleeping? What can I do for you? Go to bat for them upstream, right? If there's somebody above you who says, we really have to launch this thing this weekend or the sky's going to come crashing down. Listen, everybody's working their hardest. My job and your job in supporting me is to support these guys. They're in a really, really tough situation. And as I mentioned before, in terms of coming back to the workplace, to the office at whatever future date, please, please, please make sure that is well communicated. It's very appropriate and compassionate. There are going to be people with uh, underlying health conditions that, yes, it's HIPAA and it's none of our business as employers, but you do not want them coming back to work. Don't let them come back to work. If somebody is pressuring you to make somebody come back to work that should not be there, you, you go to bat. This is where our integrity is foremost, right? It's right at the forefront. You know, why are we here on earth, right? To carry out a mission. Yes, we have to get paid, but nobody can pay you enough to bury your integrity and to not be yourself and to let somebody else rule your understanding of right and wrong. There's no job that pays that well. All right, you guys, I'm Liz Ryan. This is the Truth About Work podcast. Uh, our company is Human Workplace, and we have a lot of stuff going on right now to support job seekers and people who are thinking about going off on their own to be consultants. You'll find that on our website. If you click on the big box at the top of the site that says, I need a new job, you're going to go to our ultimate you know, career, uh, a job search crash course, and it's massive, and it's super cheap right now. I think it's $39. It's the complete soup to nuts, how to get a new job. Check it out. Um, follow us on Twitter, Human Workplace, Instagram, Human Workplace, LinkedIn, just my name, Liz Ryan, and our site, humanworkplace.com. Our mission is to reinvent work for people.